Welcome to the Catholic Youth Podcast, a podcast that will encourage and inspire you in engaging with young people in Catholic youth ministry. I'm Juliana, and in today's episode number eight, we're diving into part two of Getting Married in the Catholic Church, where I continue my conversation with Father Josh Nash. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I recommend that you skip back and check it out. Here's a sneak peek of what we talked about in part one. That covenant that says, I will never leave you. I I, I love you for all eternity. Nothing you can do will make me walk away from you. So that immensity of God's love is what we celebrate. um, That invisible reality, in a sense, is what we celebrate in the visible sign of a man and woman making those public promises to dedicate themselves to each other and to say, I'm never walking away from you. I'm never not going to love you. And that's what we celebrate with marriage. We have plenty more coming up next in part two, where we go through the key parts of a Catholic wedding and ask more questions like, does a Catholic wedding need to be a mass? And does it even need to be inside a church? We'll also talk about ideas on how to make your wedding personal and memorable. So let's dive back into my conversation with Father Josh. And I guess that ties in well with sort of the next thing we mentioned before, um, a, a little bit on the cost of getting married in the Catholic Church. Um, so this was another thing that I think w- as, a, as a previous bride, um, something um, important to note. Um, now, I won't name the specific cost because, you know, you guys can Google it um, to sort of see. But just to go through, and uh, if I um, miss anything, Father Josh, please feel free to jump in, mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, you'll firstly have um, a celebrant fee, which is a set amount, like across you know all churches and the archdiocese and that goes um to the church to the priest but that just sort of covers the the documentation side of thing because they actually have to pay money to you know put that form to the government and that's got a, a chunk of a fee um and then most churches will have um especially ones that are often used for weddings will have a church hire I got married at my high school chapel um and you know being an old scholar I got a bit of a discount with that as well so that is negotiable to a certain um to a certain point Mm. then you'd also have and this is important to note because they don't necessarily tell you but you have the priest offering so knowing that the priest isn't gaining sort of um you know compensation for his time and effort and things the other fees are sort of just to cover the bare minimal costs um so then you you'd um you know encourage to make another donation to the priest for his time and, and effort and then other things the premarital counseling also has a cost associated but it's um you know very reasonable um considering how much therapy and things like this <laughs> are these days um and then additional things if you want musicians um you know at your ceremony that's another cost and basically from my experience all of that sort of added up still less than just having one of the more sort of recognized celebrants like your secular celebrants and you know basically for weddings you're just hemorrhaging money it feels like and a lot of the the sense of the wedding industry from my experience you know really to some extent feels commercialized and you know there's lots of zeros at the ends of the cost of things so to think that um you know the church and the councils the priests everything uh, are there to support you, serve you, love you at a real sort of minimum cost is actually heartwarming. It's not like they're doing it 
for making a bunch of money, which other aspects of, you know, the wedding wed- industry, industry feels exactly. like. Like they just hear the word wedding and, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, you get the exact same tablecloth as they did at the bar mitzvah, but all of a sudden, you know, it's, <laughs> it's twice the price. price. Exactly. So it is a bit ridiculous. And I think also there's just a reminder, um, your wedding is one day. Yes. Your marriage is for life. Yes. So what are you spending your money on? Yeah. You know, are you spending so much money on a dress you're only going to wear once, on table pieces that some auntie's going to steal at the end of the night, um, you know, or... On, on the cake no one's going to eat. The yeah. cake that no one's going to eat, the crockery that's going to get smashed or whatever, you know, or are you putting money into a beautiful ceremony that you're going to remember forever yeah premarital counseling that is going to give you you. is going to give you skills for the rest of your marriage all of these sorts of things so you know just take a take a moment and and just to prioritize really um where you want to put put your money um people think that there are these things that have to happen for a wedding but really when you take the time to sit down and really reflect on what's important yeah um a lot of wedding stuff can be done quite minimally. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, one of one of my friends, um, she got married in her – or she got married at the cathedral, um, but the reception was then in the backyard of her parents' house. Yeah. Um, and she bought her wedding dress from Salvo's. Yep. Um, you know, and we also have to think about, like, the environmental – um, impact and the social impact yeah. that the wedding industry is having uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, that was one aspect of getting the married in the church that that um, I didn't expect, but did make a big impact. That it wasn't about the money or, or or the show or anything. It was really the roots of you know giving thanks for this relationship, thanks to God for this, and um, just feeling accompanied through that mm. um which other aspects of the wedding industry you know you don't I, in my experience i didn't find that no, so no, exactly it, and to recognize the amount of work that the priest um or yes. the celebrant actually does put in um you know most of the couples that i've married i've met with them three four times you know before the wedding yeah. you know we've organized a rehearsal beforehand then there's the actual day so when you think about the amount of hours and then there's all the hours that I put into filling out the forms to preparing yes. the liturgy to writing the homily all those sorts of things um, you know you could be spending 10 20 hours yes. on one wedding um, so again, I say to some couples, if they ask me, oh, how much am I meant to offer the priest? I'll say, well, how much, how much do you get paid for your job? Yeah. What's your hourly rate? Yeah. And then how, what, what respect do you have for the work that I'm doing? Yes. Offer, offer me a similar kind of wage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, um, uh, you know, it's not about the money. Like we don't do it for the money. Um, and particularly as religious, you know, like if we have a vow of poverty, I'm not keeping that money anyway. Yes. It's going into my community or into my parish yeah. fund or whatever. Um, but it's about recognising the work the work and the worth of, yeah. of what the priest is doing for you, as you said, to accompany you and to help you in this really important time of your lives. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. So um, moving to the actual wedding ceremony. Now, what can what does that look like? What can it look like? Does it have to be a mass? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I think if both of the parties to the marriage were baptised Catholics um, and practising Catholics as well, then naturally you would want the Eucharist as a central part of that wedding celebration. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the circumstance where, you know, maybe they're not regular mass goers, um, or, or particularly maybe their families 
are not particular mm. mass goers. You have to also think about the congregation as yes. well. Um, if the if a Catholic is marrying a non-Catholic and you would only have half the church coming up for communion and that would be super awkward, um, yeah. then again, maybe it's the time to say, actually, we're not going to have the Eucharist at this. Um, uh, and the church also does provide a, a full ceremony of the rite of marriage mm-hmm. without, uh, you know, w- without a mass. Um, so there are options, yes. There are options beyond that. Amazing. So what are sort of the key parts of um, the Catholic wedding ceremony? So, um, of course, there is the, the grand entrance by the bride. Yes. Um, we have to give her her moment <laughs> to shine. Um, and so, yeah, generally um, the priest is already standing at the foot of the sanctuary with the, the groom and the groomsman. Um, and the music, the opening song will start. Um, the the bride, the if there's flower girls, page boys, whatever, um, and then the bridesmaids enter, and then finally the bride, accompanied by her father or maybe both of her parents, um, and she's walked down the aisle to then meet the groom. Uh, well, one thing I didn't know that uh, is actually that in the in the right, apparently it says that the bride and the groom can walk together as well. True. Like you, you do have options, which you do have options, yeah. and I would say if you're doing a mass. Um, and you want to go all out, then it's actually nice for the bride and groom to like meet outside the church door and yeah. to have their first kind of, you know, meeting of each other on their wedding day, just the two of them. Yes. Um, and then inside you would have then um, uh, like the the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, the altar servers, the priest, you know, like everything would be a procession down as it would be at the beginning of a mass. Yes. So, yeah, everyone can process in and everyone can have their moment if they like. Um, or, yeah, you can have the alternative that er- that half of them are already there and then the, just the bride walks in to meet everyone else at the foot of the sanctuary. Yeah. Um, my husband's from Brazil and they have a different tradition that the the groom walks with his mother down the aisle and and then waits there and then the bride works, walks with her father. So we actually did that. We had, like, our parents walk us down but, yeah. like, separately. So – yeah, like that's beautiful. Yeah, you yeah. can have things to play with. And again, culture will play a culture, a, a yes. lot to play. Um, if you're again, if you're marrying someone of the same culture, um, or if you're marrying someone of a different culture, um, but um, things like marriages are always where old cultural traditions yeah. seem to come back out of nowhere. Um, but I think it is a really important thing because culture is everything. Yes. Um, and and tradition is is really important to us in the church. Yeah. So I think it's nice to. definitely incorporate those different cultural elements um, into it. I did a Filipino wedding recently and they have a lot of added different cultural elements where, um, you know, the bride and the groom actually exchange like some gold coins um, as a sign of prosperity. They, they exchange, um, or I then hand them the book of the, of of the gospels so that, you know, the gospel is like always at the center of their marriage. And then they have these sponsors who come up and wrap them in a rosary bead and cloak them together. And they stay kind of veiled for like the whole Eucharistic prayer. Wow. Um, And so, yeah, it's really beautiful. And there's a lot of different symbolism in that. And that comes a lot from their culture and their tradition. Um, So, you know, it just adds to the the beauty and the the, um, specialness of the day. Yeah. Of it as well. For us, uh, the priest wrapped the stole around our hands yeah. as a bonding thing as well. And yeah, uh, there's just warm and fuzzy feelings. Yeah. Really and great I think stuff. It's, I think it's also important to remind people that 
um, you know, every mass is not the same. Yes. Uh, you know, there, there is creativity in liturgy. Um, speak to your priest um, and, 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 and speak about elements that you want um, and, 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 but also be willing to negotiate as well because there are some things that people sometimes want that then the priest is like, absolutely not. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So in saying that, um, what type of things can be personalised? Like can a couple write their own vows? Um, they can, uh, but there is also a like legitimate formula yes. that needs to be heard by the priest. Um, like legally, like, you, yeah, yeah. Legally, from the government point of view, um, the, the priest as a, as a mandated celebrant needs to hear that formula to, to understand that they have both consented to, to be married. But also from the church perspective, yes. because um, with every sacrament, there is a certain action that, like, makes the sacrament valid. Mm. So, for example, with baptism, there needs to be actual water and the priest needs to use the words, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everything else in the ceremony can go wrong, but as long as that is there, that baby is validly baptised. <laughs> and in all of the sacraments apart from marriage, it is often the action of the priest that makes the sacrament valid. However, in marriage, the action that makes the sacrament valid is the exchange of consent, mm. the exchange of vows of man and woman to say, I will love you, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, so the priest actually doesn't make the marriage. The couple do. Make it. Mm. The priest is simply there to bestow God's blessing upon that union later on in the ceremony. Yeah. So again, it's an important from that sacramental point of view that the priest hears those words of exchange, of consent, um, that both the bride and the groom are freely and fully entering into this marriage to love and honour each other in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, etc., etc. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. That that takes me back. Um, <laughs> but I really loved, from my perspective as a bride, I really loved um, to have that ritual and to have those words and to think of all the people, you know, and all the generations before me who had gone through that. And have said those same oh, words. Yeah, yeah, same words. And, um, yeah, just the truth and the depth of it. And in a way it was something really familiar and good. And, you know, we had family live stream, like watching the live stream from overseas and they could follow it because yes. they knew what that was. Um, There's nice to have consistency sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And and that tradition and, and knowing, yeah, the depth of it. And also it took the stress away of coming up with more, you know, content yeah. to put in, yeah. you know? And I actually find more than often the couple are freaking out yeah. about having to remember lines and different things on, on their wedding day. You're under so much stress and, and and you're probably sleep deprived and all yep. sorts of things like don't add, don't add um, fuel to the fire. So just go along, um, you know, and, and there are, in terms of the vows, there are two ways of doing it. Yes. So you can either choose to read out the whole vow saying like, I blah, 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 take you blah, blah, blah as my wife. I promise to love and honor you for the rest of my life, blah, blah, blah. Or the priest can actually ask that, Vow. Like, do you? Yeah. yeah, do you such and such take such and such to be your lawful wedded wife? And then that's where they respond, I do. Like in the movies. Like in the movies. And some people really want that I do moment. Yeah. And then the plus is you don't have to remember anything. Yeah, you just have to know two syllables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like from my perspective, it was better to have the more personalised thing, like the speeches and things like that at the reception, you know, 
a few wines afterwards, feeling more relaxed. Um, and yeah, I felt I felt there was still flexibility um, where it could be personalised, like in choosing the readings, yes, um, in choosing the prayers of the faithful, and actually having different people, you know, family and friends, come up and do the readings and say the prayers was yeah. that was really what sort of touched me more, having those people's involvement and also selecting um, music. Now you do have to be careful that you know the music is liturgically appropriate, mm. but yeah, that was sort of the personalization for me that made it feel quite special. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously, yeah, in terms of the whole ceremony, um, after we have that big entrance, you know, that's when we would have uh, the readings um, and and generally you'd have uh, a first reading from the Old Testament, uh, a psalm, a second reading from the New Testament and a gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always invite the couples that I'm preparing to select all four reading so yes. even though i read the gospel as the priest i still want them to select the one that is appropriate yeah. for them that they feel drawn to um to make the ceremony you know as special um for them you know um and so it would be after the gospel after the priest's homily that then we have the vows we have the consent we have the exchange of rings and you actually become married yeah and then following that you know, then our, our friends are invited up for the prayers of the faithful. And that's the opportunity then for the community that I gathered yeah. to offer prayers on behalf of that couple who are yeah. now married, um, you know. Um, and then if it's a mass, you would then move in to the rest of like the Eucharistic um, celebration. Um, and then there's one little uh, thing that would be different that after we say the Our Father, um, and before we go into communion, the couple would then come back in front of the altar for the priest to be- to bestow the nuptial blessing mm. upon them um, before they would then go into communion. Um, and then the, the end is pretty much like at a normal mass, um, but with obviously a bride and groom walking yeah. down <laughs> the aisle. Kissing so. and handcuffing and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everyone going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Pedals everywhere, yeah. Okay, and in, in saying that, thanks for taking us through sort of the key parts of the of a Catholic marriage. Now, does it have to be in a church? Uh, again, it would be preferable mm-hmm. if it is uh, if it is two baptized Catholics getting married. Then the church kind of assumes that it's like, well, why wouldn't you want to get married in the, in <laughs> the church? Don't you like you, us? You, yeah. yeah, you both belong to us. Yeah. Um, so again, if it's a if it's a mass, absolutely, it has to happen inside a church. Yeah. Um, sometimes there is the possibility of having uh, a marriage take place outside of a church. Um, one reason uh, would be if a Catholic is marrying a non-Catholic, um, and again, particularly if the other family is of a denomination where in the past there's been some kind of anti-Catholic sentiment, um, and uh, you know sometimes certain denominations are like, oh, I am never setting foot inside a Catholic church. Yeah. Um. So the church respects that on the day, our highest priority is peace and unity of the yeah. family. So <clears throat> if there's something that is really going to upset one part of the family, uh, with the ceremony occurring in in the Catholic church, then there's the opportunity to ask the bishop for a dispensation for the marriage to take place outside of Mm -hmm. a church. That could be in a garden, that could be, um, you know, in another kind of a suitable place, Mm -hmm. you know, know, it's not going to be on the side of the highway or something like that, you know. Um, 
bungee so, jumping or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it is important, again, to have that conversation with your priest very early on about, about that if you feel like there's going to be an issue with having the ceremony inside a church and wanting it to be elsewhere because then he'd be able to guide you as to the reasons why and he would, again, help uh, the Catholic Party to, to address um, those those forms uh, and the dispensation needed from the bishop to allow that. Um, in saying that, I you know I think the the naturally done thing today uh, for a lot of people is to automatically go somewhere outside. Yeah, you know? yeah. people people have this kind of fantasy uh, Disney image of being married in a rose garden or married on the beach at sunset and all of these sorts of things. Um, and not just from a spiritual point of view, but from a practical point of view. Outside weddings can be a nightmare. Yeah. There's so many factors to consider. Um, there's so many things that can go wrong. Um, and a lot of priests don't like doing outdoor weddings. Yeah. Um, it's not that they want to make the, the couple feel bad about their choice or anything like that. But I think a lot of priests have just had experience and bad experiences of outdoor weddings where, you know, the sound equipment is not working, you know, yeah. and so no one can hear what's going on. It's blowing a gale. It could rain. The bride's beside herself crying because the day's been ruined and, you know, yeah. like there could be a bushfire or like yes. anything, you know. So uh, there's just so many things that could go wrong. Um, so I do highly recommend to couples who are considering the place of marriage. Um, the churches are pre-built. The yeah. seats are there. The you know, aircon's the, on. The yeah. aircon's on, you know. Like there's spaces built in our community for people to come together and to celebrate and to worship together. That's their purpose. Use the church, um, you know, for what it's there for. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And and from, you know, when I was planning my wedding, from my perspective, it was something that was um, a really easy choice for us because we had, you know, all the seating was in the church, all the AV equipment was there. You had the PowerPoint, you had a place for the musicians. Um, you know, it was comfortable for grandma. You know, it, it just really was a, a no-brainer in that sense. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's plenty to stress about. So, yeah, we kind of chose our battles of, of what we would sort of bring things in for. And as well, well, if you do, I definitely understand one in that the nature aspect because that's stunning and gorgeous. But you know, if you're considering it, maybe um, incorporate that into a different part of the days. Like for us, we took photos outside, or some reception venues can sort of be outside as well. Mm. Um, so it can be a both and, not necessarily taking one away from the other. But yeah, you, you yeah. can sort of have both, and having the knowledge that um, the AV, there's chairs, there's aircon. Grandma's not going to, you know, faint. Yeah. Um, it was, was something really good. Yeah. yeah. Look after grandma. Please. Look after grandma. Yeah. yeah totally important. <laughs> um, so it's saying that, I'm wondering, so what, what does the priest wear um, when you, when someone gets married? Uh, he wears a white dress, just, just like the bride. <laughs> he wants to overshadow her. Uh, taking the spotlight. Um, no, well, seriously, yeah. The, the, the liturgical colour for... For sacramental celebrations is white. Um, so just like at a baptism, at a wedding, the priest would be wearing a white alb, yep. a white stole, a white chasuble, um, or, or maybe he would just be wearing a cope instead of a chasuble if it's just the marriage rite, yes. if it's not a mass. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, generally the priest is dressed in white. That's right as well. <laughs> there you go. So don't, don't think he's trying to upstage you. No. <laughs> you and, I th- and I don't think there is a priest brave enough. To outshine a bride. <laughs> <laughs> Who's really in charge of it? Yeah. 
And um, so for like the couple or for maybe even people just attending the wedding, um, are there any sort of restrictions or, or tips on what, you know, they can or can't wear? Don't wear thongs to a wedding. Yeah. Um, you know, just be respectful. Yes. Um, don't wear a singlet. Yeah. Um, unless it's, you know, like literally a thousand degrees. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think sometimes like what people choose to wear to a wedding uh, can be uh, different depending on their culture. Yes. Um, but I think, again, if, if a wedding is happening in a church, um, think about what you would wear to a mass on a Sunday. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you're entering a sacred space. You're entering God's house. Um, you know, and you're you're coming there for a real special celebration uh, where photos will be taken. Um, <laughs> so again, think about how you want to present yourself. Yeah. For for that, yeah, just be be aware of of not being overly flamboyant and overly uh, maybe provocative with your yeah. uh, dress. Um, uh, but also, um, you know, find something that appreciates the solemnity and the sanctity of the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes for men as well as women. Yeah, it's not one-sided. <laughs> oh. And are there any dates in the Catholic Church that you can't get married or you should avoid getting married? I'm pretty sure you can't get married on Good Friday. Yes. Um, probably can't get married on Christmas Day uh, or Easter Sunday. Um, again, uh, just be aware of, yeah, like the liturgical calendar, the, the, the liturgical year. Um, some days priest has got other things to do, um, you know, because, you know, Jesus died on that day. Um, so just be respectful of it, um, you know, and, uh, yeah. And I know some people will try to line up weddings in terms of like public holidays. So they get a three day weekend yeah. and everyone can like, you know, take some time off to, to really enjoy the wedding and stuff like that. Um, but that might not be the best time in the church's calendar. So again, you know, like just go to your priest and, and have a discussion mm -hmm. with that. Um, I think it's always nice to speak to the priest first about wanting to be married in the church, wanting him to celebrate your wedding and then actually figure out a date for it. Yes. So thanks so much for coming on the show today, Father Josh. This has been really great to, to hash out these details. It's been a pleasure. Um, before we let you go... I um, was just wondering, what's one piece of encouragement or advice that you'd like to pass on to people who are looking to get married in the Catholic Church? My advice would be um, that your wedding is one day, but your marriage is for life. Mm. Um, so make that one day a real great celebration, but also make it something that's going to prepare you for what's ahead and to really be focused on your partner uh, be there for one another. Yeah. Don't be thinking that this is all about you. You know, your marriage is your day when you're dedicating your life to the other person and them likewise. Yeah. So really be there for one another in this whole journey. Share it entirely, um, this beautiful, beautiful time, um, and really think about where this is leading you um, rather than just focusing on the, the, the one single day yeah. of, of celebration. Yeah. It's, yeah, one special day in a lifetime of yeah. wonderful days. <clears throat> one day to rule them all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much. We'll catch you soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Youth Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Cath Youth Adelaide to stay up to date with all the latest information, resources and events. Until next time, see you. Bye.